Welcome to Lowering the Rim. We're talking about practice, practice man. <laughs> yes. All right, you are listening to the smooth sounds of Lowering the Rim. Today we have a very special guest with us, the creator of the podcast that we <laughs> later kicked off, Ian Swires. Go ahead and say hello, Ian. Hey guys, great to be here. Long time listener, first time caller, um, but uh, former host and uh, brain thrust behind LTR. So great to be back. What's it like being demoted to social media? Um, you know, it's it's been um, it's been a real journey. I guess that's that's what I would I would say. But you know, I felt like our our last dance was a good run, and all good things have to come to an end. Really like what you guys have done with the place, though. Great job. <laughs> What's it like to create intellectual information from scratch, and then someone just swoops in and steals it all and gives zero credit? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I I am I'm all for seeing others succeed, especially. Uh, my family members. However, I did want to let you know that Cousin Deneff and I did launch a new podcast called Raising the Rim to Extraordinary <laughs> Heights, where we really, um, you know, we, we take basketball as kind of a launching pad, and then we just, we jump to, you know, the, the higher discussions in life, like philosophy, theology, uh, ethics, and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been really good. We, we have a few listeners, so it's been great. I love all of that. Wow. All right, Ian, let's jump right into it. Um, before we get into the Last Dance stuff, I thought we could just talk a little bit about the previous podcast, which featured our father, and a lot of it focused around you and your love of Michael and some of that stuff. We were wondering, we mentioned that you actually went to Five Star Basketball Camp, which is like an elite camp. A this national five stars. Um, and then you also played on a nationally ranked high school team. Could you tell us maybe some of the NBA players that you got to play against? Oh yeah, I mean um, Zach Randolph was the the main guy that I got to play against because I had to guard him in high school. Um, so I, I remember one time he dunked on me and put his like size 16 shoe in my chest after he dunked on me. Uh, that's, that was, that was one of those moments where you go, yeah, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to play at the next level. Um, but yeah, some of the other guys that I, that went pro, um, Jared Jeffries was a guy we played against. He played in the NBA for a while. Um, some I'm trying to remember. His I, I teammate like was more... uh, Sean May, right? Which he also yeah. went to the NBA. Yeah, Sean May went to the NBA. Um, he didn't do much in the NBA. Uh, Deshaun Stevenson. I remember we played against him at a um some sort of an ESPN tournament. There were probably a lot more guys that I just don't. I didn't totally put it together who they were in high school versus who they ended up being. Um, 
Now, Deshaun, because we played, Deshaun we played Stevenson, a, he famously won a title in 2011 against LeBron James. Oh, yeah, I was correct? really rooting for him. Yeah, I, I was rooting for that, that's for sure. But, yeah, I would say, like, I, I'm trying to, I don't remember all of them off the top of my head right now, um, but when we were nationally ranked, they we flew around and played at different um you know, different tournaments and all we were playing against all like the nationally ranked high schoolers. So they're probably more than I realize. You know what your ranking was as a school? This was uh, for all of our listeners. Uh, this was Marion high school in Indiana, the team that Ian played for in high school. Yeah. We were ranked third in the nation. I think was the, the highest that we got that year. Wow. And I think you guys only lost one game the whole season, right? And you, and you, uh, yeah, it was something like that. To be honest with you, I don't even remember what our record was. But yeah, it was only it was only one or two, maybe three at the most games. And then you won the state championship. Yep. Now you infamously, uh, but this was before Steph Curry was even around. You hit a about probably 70, 60 foot buzzer beater in a playoff pl- playoff game. Yeah, let me let me set the stage for that. So it's regionals, big time game. Uh, there's only a few minutes left. Um, fortunately for me, I got some playing time. I didn't I didn't play a ton. Although my first varsity game that I ever started, I did substitute in for Zach Randolph, which was pretty funny, and I did hit my first shot. But I was definitely not the reason we were ranked third in the nation. We had. A, really good starting five and they played most of the games but it was regionals uh a guy ended inbounded the ball to me time was running out on the clock all i had time to do was basically heave it from half court and uh nothing but net and we ended up winning by 23 points instead of 20 points because of that (laughs) shot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that that sent you to, that sent you guys to semi state, correct? That is correct. And uh, just to just to break that down a little bit more, it was awesome for me because I shot it on the right hand side of the court, and right as I crossed half court, it was right where our student section was. And so when I hit it, I'm like running right into the student section, and uh, I got a ton of love from the student section. Uh, the opposing team's coach was not thrilled, and my coach was not thrilled that I shot that. <laughs> but in fairness to me, I played so little that instincts just kicked in. That's like, oh, the buzzer is about to go off. I have to get a shot off before the buzzer goes off. So I just heaved it without thinking like, oh, it's probably the best thing to do is just to dribble the clock out. You know, I wasn't even thinking about it. No, I think you did the right thing. I think that's I th- no regrets. I think you want to play a hundred percent, no matter what. Uh, the, goal, <laughs> the goal in basketball is to make shots; it's not to dribble. <laughs> um, so, so I, um, I sort of would do um, a similar thing that you do. As soon as I would somebody inbound the ball to me, I would just sort of release it towards the goal. But I was just. For me, I would do it throughout the game because I wanted the ball as little as possible. <laughs> it's like nice. it was like relieving yourself of a responsibility, huh? 
Just get rid of it. Yeah, you can say, hey, I tried to shoot it. It didn't work out. <laughs> um, and you don't have now, to worry about uh, people coming coming at you. Cub, you had a special move of in the driveway we would play. And, you know, there's definitely out of bounds left and right because there's grass. But yeah. long ways, it's just driveway, then the street, and presumably no out of bounds. But you'd go all the way out, far down the driveway, find your little, it'd be a side shot, mm-hmm. and you'd somehow bank it in from the side. Yep. That was your special move, side bank. And let's remember that driveway was slanted, so he's, <laughs> by the time he got to the bottom, he's shooting it out on about a 12-foot goal. Um, you know, I've, I've always been sort of an introvert. I sort of brought that onto the court. I wanted to be as far away from everyone as possible. Mm. Um, and so I'd find I'd find those places that the defense wouldn't follow you. <laughs> You'd go deep. They call, and, that, uh, they call that isolating. Make I a deposit the- out there. <laughs> the worst is uh, twenty-one defense, three three-man twenty-one, and you're just like, go defend them, <laughs> so you can get the rebound. All right, Ian. So let's move it forward. Um, Episodes five and six of The Last Dance, I'm assuming you watched them, is that correct? I did, yep. So let's uh, let's jump right into that. Any initial thoughts that you had watching those two episodes specifically? Well, the thing that stood out to me the most is just kind of a random thing. It's that security guard who pulled the, the uh, shoulder shrug on Jordan after he beat him in the quarter gambling game. I thought that was so funny. Yeah, really putting salt in the wound there, huh? Yeah, well, he just, no, he was just, uh, he had a flair for the dramatic. He knew knew how to uh, beat Jordan in his own game, and I thought, man, that guy's got to be the GOAT security guard. (laughs) Now, I was a little confused. I know they were, like, throwing uh, quarters or whatever, but I didn't understand what the game was, like how they were. I have no. Yeah, I have no idea either. I don't know if it had to do with whether it was heads or tails or how close to the wall it was. Did okay. both of those things were were both of those things in play or what? Or were they trying to get on a certain color of the carpet? Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I guess I'm just glad that someone else didn't understand either watching that because I wasn't following. Other than them throwing coins, I didn't understand what the game was. the The goal of the game. But anyway, that guy beat him and hit him with the old MJ shrug. You know, and he just—he looks like he belongs on a documentary. Am I right? He just looks like a, this character. Yeah, apparently, I read some—I read some stuff about him afterwards. Apparently, he just passed away earlier this year. Uh, but he was Jordan's security guard, or like, work, I guess somehow was pretty close to Jordan for like 20 years. I think Jordan employed him specifically or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were apparently pretty good buddies. I mean, he, uh, so he, just, he could, he could, he could pull the shrug on him, I guess. Yeah. Um, pull the shrug out from under him. <laughs> I, uh, I, I've got a question. What's all the deal with, they, they keep kind of coming back to this Isaiah Thomas stuff. And I have no idea what any of that is about. Yeah, that seems to be getting a lot of press. I didn't realize, I mean, I had heard some stuff about that. Um, now, again, I I watched Jordan uh, 
like my first memories watching Jordan was probably in the 89 uh, playoffs against Detroit. So I kind of, I like vaguely remember the bad boy Pistons. I remember Jordan playing the Lakers in that 91 championship a lot better. Mm. Um, but I would have only been like against the bad boy Pistons. I would have only been seven years old. Um, but anyways, I don't, I didn't remember all that Isaiah stuff. I, I kind of vaguely heard about it later. I knew Jordan didn't like the Pistons, which included Isaiah, but it was news to me about the whole Dream Team controversy. I didn't know about all that. Um, that that was news to me in this documentary that that there was some sort of uh, move by Jordan and maybe some others to keep Isaiah off the Dream Team. And um, so, yeah, I you know that was all news to me. Well, I believe the story goes that. Isaiah iced Jordan out of an all-star game, maybe in 88 or something like that. And so Jordan yeah. didn't make an all-star game, and that's and that's where it started. And then after, you know, the... Was the, it that them, he didn't make the all... Was it that he didn't make it, or that he was... Um, he wasn't giving him the ball in the all-star game? Oh, I think... I, I, I thought... I think it, that's what it... I think that's what it was. It wasn't that he didn't make the all-star team it's that Isaiah wouldn't like I think he got the team to basically not um to ignore him yeah okay okay I thought my understanding was that somehow Isaiah orchestrated it so Jordan didn't make the all-star team but maybe you're right and then the the Detroit playoffs sort of just amplified that because they were yeah just destroying him Here's here's one thing that I that has um, that the documentary has is sort of revealed to me is I th- I thought all of this sort of like nonsense drama that uh, we see in the NBA now was a more recent thing, but this documentary is highlighting that it's always there's always been that sort of nonsense like like putting personalities like pitting them against each other and always trying to find these these uh, I don't know trying to find the 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 melodrama outside of the actual game have do, do you feel do you feel like do, do you feel any sense of that like when you were watching it as a kid do you remember there being all this extra like filler drama <laughs> No, I I don't think that. I mean, I think there were always um, <laughs> narratives, but it wasn't as much. Um, speaking of drama, no, yeah. keep going. Sorry, we're we're good now. <laughs> yeah, I I I guess I would I would want to break down a little bit what you mean by that. So like. I think, I think what he's trying to say. Is, so, so for so for instance, they keep when you find out that Scottie Pippen is like the 122nd highest paid player, but he's the second uh, most sought after like athlete or whatever. Um, it seems like they keep asking Jordan and Scottie about that, and maybe it's yeah. just because you're just seeing all of those clips in a row it feels like it's more than there actually is 
Uh, but then same yeah. with the Isaiah Thomas stuff. They they keep harping on that. Um, and so so maybe just seeing it, all of these like clips together is making it feel like how the how um, Sports Center, ESPN, and all these broadcasters are now. But maybe it's uh, that's yeah editing. Yeah, I think. I mean, I would I would agree with like was there drama behind the scenes? Yes. Was there players who were petty with each other? Yes. Is that true today? Yes. I think the difference is the way that the game was sold to the general public was not built around all that. Whereas now, like free agency in the NBA is as big of a seller to the general public, and in, in the way that the NBA kind of uh, promotes mm-hmm. itself that it, it feels more WWE ish, I guess. Well, I mean, it's about all this. It's about all this other stuff off the court. You right, um, and I guess I you you always assume that in any sort of organization anywhere uh, where people exist together, you're gonna have pettiness. But like, even the whole premise of this is like of the ep- of the this documentary is like is this going to be Jordan's last season and it seems like a lot of people keep asking him about that um, and trying to make that sort of a narrative um, yeah I mean I think that what it's because it was a real thing it wasn't like I mean um, yeah I, I guess I don't I wouldn't equate that with the same thing as the way that the the what the NBA is built on now, mm. it's it doesn't seem the same. Now, some of that could just be because of our our media access isn't the same. Like it wasn't the same twenty four hour news cycle, right? As it is now. I mean, these sports shows are just milking this documentary that's airing every week. I mean, it's basically just filling up a week of sports talk radio now. Yeah, where do they um, say just, I'm happy to be? I'm happy to be a part of that uh, sort of noise. Where do yeah. they get off building a show around the last dance? <laughs> that's why. That's why. Um, you know, I, I would encourage people to listen to Raising the Rim, where we, you know, <laughs> sort of uh, reach for vertical. extraordinary heights. You're going for the metaphysical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We want to transcend <laughs> our vertical. Our vertical. <laughs> Transcending the rim. <laughs> Trans, uh, yeah. Transcend. I mean, I here's what here's what I would say to any listener out there. I think Garrett, Ethan Sherwood Strauss has some great takes on the way that the NBA sold itself in the '90s versus the way the NBA sells itself today. Hmm. If you listen to some of his content from the last year or so talking about NBA ratings and that sort of thing. And he and I are about the same age and the stuff that he says on this topic, I feel like I resonate with as somebody who grew up watching the NBA in the nineties versus what I see now. Mm. Now it could be a slanted view because as a kid you tune into certain things and you don't understand other things. So yeah, it would be interesting to ask somebody who's maybe more aware of those things. But like, I, I remember, you know, I remember that being like, maybe this is Jordan's last year and all that sort of thing. Um, but I don't remember it being like, um, 
the thing. I don't. Re- thing I don't remember the media to. bringing it up to stir up, you know, controversy. Mm. I feel like that's some of the difference now, maybe. But, yeah. but I don't know. I may. I may have just absorbed it differently because I was a Jordan fan and I didn't really, you know, I wasn't on. Uh, I I barely even watched Sports Center, you know. So it's just it was right. different. Yeah. So you so you think nowadays instead of stumbling into controversy the media is more actively seeking the controversy to write about and report on i don't know i mean it's it's hard to tell i i mean i think for example the the i think they the media does more than just journalism now and they definitely seem to jump in the fray to stir things up um and you know maybe that's just how it is because of the all of the outlets for content and that's how you get noticed Mm -hmm. um but yeah it does seem like for example the reason why this is so interesting now the last dance is because you're getting to be pulled behind the curtain of something that nobody really understood all the dynamics that were at play, you know, 20 some years ago. Well, now it's like the way that the NBA is covered, you're almost always behind the curtain. You're not seeing the wizard of Oz and what he's doing out here. You know, like you get to go back behind the curtain all the time and look at, and the media, I think, is complicit in that, and they have a, maybe a thirst for that. And um, so, I don't know. I mean, that, maybe that's where you lose some of the mystique and the the um, the aura of what's you know what you want it to be, which is like these clash of the titans, these superheroes who are going at it, and and you want to you kind of want to be able to put them up on a pedestal to some degree and I feel like now it's like you know well here's the man behind the curtain you know the Wizard of Oz isn't as great as you thought he was so just want to remind everyone and it seems like it can subconsciously tell you that hey the games aren't actually that important because that's not what we're talking about or covering we're not covering the, yeah. the basketball side of it. We're covering the uh, all the ancillary stuff that goes along. Yeah, with it's all the extras. Basketball player, but isn't yeah? The- it's like, hey, look at all the Raptors wearing a bunch of big scarves. Isn't this fun? It's like, yeah, like no, that it's is not. The most Nobody unnecess- cares. Yeah, I'm not watching basketball <laughs> to hear about your scarf decor. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. So. I think that's a little bit of the difference, but I mean, who knows, you know, I, maybe there's a, the generation, uh, that is, you know, in their middle schoolers or whatever. Now, maybe they love that stuff. I don't that's, know. and you know, another thing along with that thought is I don't think people, because of that sort of coverage, I don't think people really appreciated the Warriors and the basketball, the product that they were putting out on the floor. Oh, yeah. Because they Absolutely were focused not. on all this other stuff. When they are playing like some, some of the most high-level basketball that we have ever seen, if not the highest. Um, 
and they yeah. were just more interested in seeing it all crumble via yeah. Kevin Durant or you know whatever turmoil is going on. Yeah, that was one situ or circumstance where I definitely feel like the media was kind of um, actively promoting and rooting for the demise of the Warriors. Yeah. Um, and and I mean I I understand to some degree, but I think you know being a huge Bulls fan and Jordan fan, I I think that that 2017 Warriors team might have been the greatest team we'll ever see, and basically all of the media coverage other than you know San Francisco and Oakland were actively just moaning or bemoaning the fact that this team was assembled and it's too bad and it's not fair and it's you know yeah and it seemed um, like it seemed like David Stern understood that when you have a great product that's what you promote and yeah they it just felt like they didn't do that with the Warriors and you know maybe there's correlation there with rate you know the ratings were their highest under David Stern and now yeah. they've, they've been consistently dropping yeah year, and that's year what over year. that's what that's what Ethan what I was saying earlier Ethan has some really good kind of thoughtful nuanced ways that he articulates this but basically you know he kind of pits it with the way that the NFL covers itself that they they focus on the game and like what what makes most sense to win the game and um, that's of most importance. And then they present the game in a way that puts the fans' attention on the main thing. And I think that's the, that's probably the, the, the most basic difference that he would say is that the NFL keeps the main thing the main thing. It's about winning. How do teams, uh, what do teams do to, like, tactically and strategically uh, to win? And in the NBA, it becomes about all this other ancillary stuff or, you know, um, crying about this or that. And it, it takes the attention away from the main thing. And the other thing that he talks about is that the, um, the presentation in the 90s was just a lot better. So NBC, the way that NBC would present the NBA was just they made it more of an event. Like it just feel, it felt more epic and like more of a, it, it set the viewer up to understand what the stakes were, what the um, the obstacles that needed to be overcome by either team would be, and uh, it just made it kind of this larger than life event. And he talks, he compares that to Sunday Night Football and the way that Sunday Night mm. Football presents itself, which is also done by NBC. <laughs> and um, and how some of this other stuff is just it's just silly. It's like are we, it's you know, noise. we're doing pre pregame stuff about you know oh look look at LeBron bought everyone matching suits. Man, this is really going to be the thing that that brings them together. And it's like totally not about the game at all. You know. Yeah. Look at what they're wearing. Yeah. There's a lot of look at what these guys are wearing walking into the arenas. Like, I think what we're getting cares? at is um, if you're not starting uh, your game with uh, round ball rock, you're just not going to get the views. <laughs> well, I think there is something to that. 
John Tesh yeah, is I mean, basketball. That that was an iconic theme song. Yeah, there hasn't been a sports theme song as uh, memorable as that. Everybody, when they hear it, knows it. And so I know that the NBA, um, the home office, is listening to this podcast. So we're what we're proposing is, you know, you've had some slogans in the past like. Uh, this is why we play, or I love this game. We are proposing that your new slogan is "Keep the main thing the main thing," <laughs> <laughs> and then you tag that with the NBA, and th- that's how we move forward uh, with the league. Hey, I I want to know from you guys because you guys knew that I was a big Jordan fan, but what from watching the documentary? What what are the things that are new to you? Because you're younger than I am, and I don't know that any of you followed Jordan as closely as I did growing up. But what are the things that you're like, oh, I didn't know that, or that's kind of surprised you about it all? Man, a lot of stuff. Like Caleb was saying, that whole Scottie Pippen thing about not being paid and being in his contract. Um I don't think I knew about Rodman taking a Las Vegas sabbatical, <laughs> which was really fun. Well, there's something very interesting about Phil Jackson. I, I quite, I quite like that he uh, he doesn't he he doesn't come in with like a, a set of rules that all the players have to follow. He 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 does. It seems like he does a good job of finding out how to get the best out of his players on the court, not necessarily in their personal lives, but... Um, and then giving them room uh, in their, I guess, in the court and in their lives to do what they do best. Like, the Rodman sabbatical is, is one of those things, um, which I thought was interesting, and the fact that he had them do uh, yoga... Yeah. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, I didn't know very... I always thought Phil was just a typical corporate coach or whatever, but uh, I had a dream that the Bulls were coached by Terrence Malick, the <laughs> Oscar award-winning <laughs> director, but uh, they're maybe they're more similar than I think they are. I've, I've heard, don't know if it's true, but Terrence Malick will just walk into the editor's room and hand them footage and say something to the effect of uh, alright just listen to this song here and just kind of feel it out and kind of just meditate on it a little bit and then start editing I can't clarify if that's true that might be word on the street but uh, that's what I've heard um, one thing that I thought was really interesting is Jordan's mentality of being very like present to the game at hand like he wants to he wants to win the game that he's playing right there he's not really thinking about um, future games or like, <coughs> championships or he's just his whole mentality was do your best right now because you don't know if you're gonna get to do it again and so there wasn't a lot of like thinking about uh, the future. And, and concerning yourself so much with that. Which I always kind of like... I always thought that's what all players did. Was they just wanted to win every game. That they Do would like play at, the, play at the 
uh, highest caliber they could at the time that they're playing. Um, but it that kind of seems novel to just Jordan. <laughs> it seems like he's the only one that yeah was doing that. Maybe, I, I mean, maybe like the rest. Maybe he sort of got the rest of the Bulls to do that, Pippen and Rodman and stuff. Um, yeah, it really shows you just how fierce of a competitor he is. Yeah, he doesn't. He wants to be the best right then and there. And if no one has ever seen him play, he's gonna make sure they know too. Yeah. And I didn't know. I didn't know that. And I don't want to open up this can of worms, but I immediately thought of that LeBron statement where he said something like, "I, I'm fully on now, or I'm fully engaged, or whatever." Last oh, last, last year. year. And yeah. then you get this documentary yeah. where Jordan just doesn't turn it off ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. What's funny is that he said, "I'm activating playoff mode," and then they miss the playoffs. Oh, that's what right, it was. Yeah. Activating yeah. Playoff mode. Yeah. Which is kind of it. Kind of parallels what um, the North Carolina coach said about Jordan, as he said, "He's the only guy I knew who could turn it on and off, and he never turned it off." Yeah, that's a right. good quote. Or he always turned it on, or whatever it was. Um, yeah, he's. I mean, he's just a different breed. I heard Jackie McMullen, who's covered the NBA, like she covered all the Celtics through the '80s and stuff, and she said there, all her years covering the NBA, so it would have been the '80s up until the present, 40 years. She said she's only seen uh, four people with that kind of a killer instinct or that fierce of a competitor, and it was Jordan, Kobe. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. Wow. She said those were the the most fierce. But then you hear Magic say about Jordan, you know, in the documentary, he said, you know, most most guys they knock you down and like defeat you, but then they're like, All right, you've had enough and he's you know, he said Jordan's not like that. He just wants to crush you. <laughs> right, yeah. Very good. Um, but then he's also in I mean, all of the behind the foot scenes footage and stuff of Jordan is he's he seems like a really nice guy to to most people who aren't well I don't know that Jerry Krause felt that way (laughs) well but I mean there's a there's a whole lot of a lot of short jokes there yeah there's a lot of but there but I mean I think there's a lot of other stuff going on there that they touch on in the documentary it's like when he's like he cause him and he talks about like him and magic johnson and they're like really good friends so it's not as if yeah. like he hates the people he's competing against all the time right yeah he just won't well, lose and, to them yeah and it sounds like the he was so um giving of his time to so many people like the media talk about how he was he you know other than that gambling stat where he shut the media out but he was always so available to the media and then also how he was doing those um, Make-A-Wish kids mm. uh, appearances or whatever that was, how he was doing those regularly. Um, I didn't know about that, which I thought that was interesting. Mm. Uh, this is the one that really stood out to me the most. That I just thought, man, this is the genius of Michael Jordan. The story where Reebok tells him at the 92 Olympics... If you do not wear our warm-up suit on the podium, you can't get your gold medal. 
And so he realizes, gosh, I have to wear this warm-up suit, but I'm a Nike guy. I do not want to be a standing up there in Reebok. And he figures out, if I drape this American flag over the logo, <laughs> not only am I not showing the Reebok um, symbol, but they can't say anything about it because then they look unpatriotic. Were you going to tell them to take off the American flag? When uh, receiving the gold medal at the Olympics, that is just genius. It's checkmate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's when you realize, like, man, he's a shrewd operator. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. And it's just such a great story to show how he will win. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's well, and you realize, top. you realize too, all these guys now with all these sneaker deals and everything, like, he basically is the reason that all of that exists. I mean, there was no, there was nothing like that in existence until Jordan came along and what he did with Nike and the Jordan brand. And I mean, he's still winning. I saw something in 2019 where he made more money off of selling Jordans than I think LeBron, Curry, uh, KD, Harden, and Kyrie combined or something like that. Wow, that's insane. I really liked uh, seeing how Jerry Seinfeld was just really awkward back in that locker room. (laughs) He's clearly like, you can see it in his eyes, he's like starstruck and amazed, but he has to be professional. Yeah. And he just doesn't know, he has to like hide his excitement, (laughs) his utter excitement. (laughs) And Jordan clearly has has never watched a show. Yeah. Jordan's, like, Jordan's like, you knew, you you want to talk to these guys. They've seen your show or something like that. <laughs> They're always watching your show. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Which is hilarious because, yeah, Jerry would have been, I guess that would have been when the show was kind of coming to an end, late 90s. Yeah. But still, yeah, he's a megastar, and he's made his living off talking, and he just, he can't say a word. <laughs> He looks yeah. like a five-year-old kid, just like... Well, it looks like he's just writing jokes in his head as he's looking yeah. around. Or he's just like, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm Jerry Seinfeld! Oh, and then Newman <laughs> comes around the corner and... No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think yeah basically, basically, Newman is Jerry Krause, and Jerry Seinfeld is Michael Jordan in the situation. Wow. You're right. And Newman actually did play Jerry Krause in Space Jam as Stan, po- <laughs> Stan Podolak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the fears with this whole documentary was Jordan thought people would, would, you know, view him like not as not have as high of a view of him because of it. And we haven't seen the rest of it, so who knows? Maybe there's way worse stuff going on, but. Um, what do you guys think so far? I mean, do you is your view the same? Do you respect him more? Do you respect him less? And you know, Ian, I'm gonna let Keegan go first, but I just love this because it just shows that you did create this podcast, and now you are hosting the podcast, uh, directing the questions. Um, but Keegan, yeah, you can go ahead and answer. I, I mean, I already knew about the flu game, which is already an insane thing. And I don't think anyone today would dare to do that. Uh, but I, the 
the his shoe his feet bleeding at Madison Square Garden, but him deciding not to take off the shoes because he's having such a good game. Mm. I am I like Jordan even more watching this because <laughs> he just. It, stuff like that makes today's NBA look pretty soft, and uh, yeah, I think a lot of people today in, today's NBA wouldn't be able to handle Pistons defense. Granted, it was very like illegal in a way, but uh, yeah, I just he's just really tough guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I I. I don't think, for the most part, I, I think most of what I thought of Jordan was confirmed. Um, the, th- the thing that strikes me the most is what I mentioned earlier, is that he's he's just fully present with the thing that he's doing. He's not concerning himself with how it's uh, going to affect future wins. Um, he's just... he's he's doing his best at the at the moment he finds himself um but i guess maybe he also has that downside with the, his competitive which is that it doesn't end and that's got to be a curse like um it seems like he's going to be it seems like he's chasing some, something and it doesn't mm-hmm. seem that he's ever gotten it. It seems like it doesn't matter how many times he wins, he'll never win enough, and he'll never win by enough. And yeah. He, what, what? You guys can. I think one of you told me this, but when he got when he gave his speech at the uh, Hall of Fame, did one of you say that he was um, talking? like bad mouthing the people in his life that told him he couldn't do it or like cut him from the team. Yeah. He he brought in people from way back in his life and basically yeah. was kind of in a petty way saying, Look at me now. Yeah, so you the- know, and you just go, Wow, somebody who's accomplished that much and you're still holding that grudge against them. Yeah, so the, Yeah, so it obviously didn't fix whatever his whatever his problem was to begin with like i sort of i sort of think it's his probably something with his the relationship with his dad that never never got well and he's still trying to fix it you know caleb i'm glad you brought that up because in our most recent episode of raising the rim we do a (laughs) psychological deep dive into father wounds and how that influences your (laughs) your path um so yeah if your listeners are are interested in something like that encourage you to hop on over (laughs) just an expose into all america's problems could be solved if we just address daddy issues now you guys, Raising the Room has a conference coming up, right? It's called Elevate. <laughs> <laughs> and that's in it's in Chicago. Yeah, we're we're hoping to achieve Nirvana at that conference. Now, Ian, is it true that at Elevate, it's not even so much about you know what goes on at the conference, but it's the conversations that happen afterward that are just so great. 
exactly. Hey, what's the worship like there? You guys bring the meat? You guys bring in the meat? <laughs> it's, it's not a... It's it's about a relationship with Jordan, right? Yeah. It's not about a religion. It's a non-denom- non-denominational it's not, Air Jordan. It's uh, not about Sam Smith's Jordan rules. It's about a relationship. We're going to be doing a deep... We've got a lot of breakout groups. We're going to be doing a deep dive into sacred hoops and sort of exploring some of those. Now, I've heard after those conferences you guys hold that you just come back on fire! (laughs) That sort of fades after a couple of days. Ian, how many times have you attended these Elevate um, Jordan conferences and then six months later you find yourself, you know, backsliding on defense? (laughs) You know, yeah, you know it's 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 a challenge. Just raising rim awareness. <laughs> Elevate twenty twenty. Cool, Drew. Be... What about you? What you didn't answer the question? Sorry, yeah. what was the question? Something about Jordan. <laughs> Something about Jordan. Uh, he wore twenty three, and he also wore forty five. Thank you. He's also a wizard. Was right. that the question? He's <laughs> also question um, No, it would. The question was, what do you think of him less or more? I definitely don't think of him less. Oh yeah, no he he comes he comes off looking better. I think he comes across looking better. Documentary. I yeah. like seeing yeah. him. I like hearing him swear as well. I, it humanizes him for me. I've never yeah seen him cuss. Maybe you there's a PG thirteen Space Jam out there. You know, uh, Ian, you have any uh, final thoughts uh, before we wrap this up? Oh, man. Um, What are you guys hoping to get out of the documentary before it, or by the end of it, as it wraps up? Where do we want it to end? Boy, I hope it, I I hope they win. (laughs) I, uh, I hope we get, uh. I hope we get some Carl Malone interviews. I feel like he's a good uh, person to interview. Yeah. Just based on Super Slams of the NBA 1989 tape. Oh, uh, you know what? I want to get out of... Speaking of Malone, I want to see them talk about when Rodman and Malone were fre- frequenting WCW, tag-teaming with Diamond Dallas Page and... Uh, Hulk Hogan. Hogan. Hollywood Hogan. Yeah, that's good. I want to see stuff. that. And then they were, I think they did a Leno appearance. Yeah, they together. need to. Yeah, they should talk about that. That's a that. great story. I also want to hear about the punching Steve Kerr <laughs> story. Oh, yeah, that's the, that's coming up this week. Oh, they've, really? They've Yeah, they've teased that in a couple of promos that I saw. Uh, okay. Yeah, I would say that and uh, them covering the flu game are the two things I would like to know about. I hope the yeah. flu game is a hangover game. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, there's so many theories on what the flu was. Like, there's the so yeah, it's 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 like he was out too late and hangover or something. Uh, um, altitude sickness is another one, and then that somebody in Utah poisoned his food. Wow! If you so, uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to hear what the how they frame the you know what the flu game was from. You know, if you're constantly doing dunk shots, you are going to get altitude sickness. So we understand this. 
Hey, one of the most underrated, Keegan and Caleb, I don't know if you guys know this celebration, but I think it's one of the most underrated celebrations, is James Harden when he dunks and he comes down, he'll hold his nose like his nose is bleeding because he went too high. It's such a good celebration. Because at first you think he's really hurt, and then you realize, like, oh, he's just trolling everyone. Oh, that's good. Mm. It's really funny. It's worth a YouTube YouTube clip to see him do it. Do they stop the game for it, or, or no? No, no. I heard, I what I heard was that the, uh, the Rockets front office, they analyzed, they did an analytic of that, and they said, if you do that, we're more likely to score more points. So that's why you're doing <laughs> I'm sure they have a spreadsheet for it. Ian, what do you think of this statement? Keegan said that Jordan is the only guy he's ever seen that could cross people over in in the air. Oh, that's a great description. <laughs> I mean that that one that he makes against the Nets. You know that one I'm talking about where he jumps from one side of the lane and like crosses he de- he literally yeah. crosses his hands like three times it's like i don't know how he did that yeah it doesn't the, his hang time doesn't yeah. make sense at all he's got to be one of the best finishers if not the best finisher i mean like kyrie is good like the way he gets his shots off and stuff but i mean what jordan is doing is just unbelievable yeah i don't i've never seen anyone else look like they're floating like Jordan looks yeah. like he's floating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very graceful, very elegant. I believe he can fly. <laughs> what do you think of um, like the other thing that that sticks out to me just watching it is just like he was just always the alpha as well as the coolest. Like he just always seems like the the coolest guy in the room and the the alpha in the room. Well, I thought, do you do you get that sense or is that just my uh, you know childhood rose colored glasses you know looking at my my childhood idol? My interpretation of it is he said, you know, I have my focus is just being on the best player. And I think that all of that other stuff just emanated from it. Him being the alpha, him being cool. It's because it's, bec- it's because he's not trying to be. So I don't ever get the vibe that he's trying to be cool. He just is cool because he's trying to be the best. And so all that other stuff just emanates from from his one focus that's the vibe i always get yeah that's what we'll be discussing at elevate because all the like it doesn't <laughs> it seem like all the stuff he's doing is pretty original it's not it didn't feel like a yeah a copy paste or anything yeah well think about this i was thinking about this the other day is like have you ever seen those videos where they do the like it's it's basically like a side-by-side or they cut away to like Jordan in the middle of a move and then Kobe in the middle of a move and like showing you how similar it all is. I've seen a video like that. <clears throat> well, they have a bunch of these videos like that where basically you can see how Kobe just just mimics uh, 
you know, Jordan so much and like how he chooses gum, how he walks down the court, how he does his fadeaway and all that kind of stuff. Like Jordan is so good that another guy can basically be a slightly, you know, lesser version of him and be one of the most popular players for a whole nother generation. Mm. You know, it, it's just, it's, and like Kobe, Kobe is not original in the sense of his game. I mean, he's basically just mirrored everything he did after Jordan. And yet the way he's beloved is like, it's crazy that that's, to me, that that's how great Jordan is, is that you can create a copy of him. And even that is like just gold. You know, everybody loves it. Everybody wants it. Everybody mm. is all about it, you know. But, uh, that probably helped that he played for the Lakers and won championships. But didn't uh, didn't Jordan like mentor Kobe though? Yeah. So it would make sense for yeah. him to like learn the moves if his mentor is Jordan. Yeah. Kobe. I thought they would. I thought they would actually get a little more into that. Maybe they will later. But this mm. this past week was all about like, oh, this is the Kobe episode, and everybody was excited about that. And yeah. I didn't think they got into it as much as I was expecting. No, no that not one, at all. That one episode was weird. <laughs> it was like all over the place. It's like six storylines like, in I'm not one sure what, episode. What this episode is supposed Ta-da. to be. It, it would seem like all of the storylines that they couldn't fit anywhere, they just kind of threw together in this one episode. I was thinking that um, Kobe is like, he lived, he ended up living the dream that everybody of like his generation growing up watching Jordan wanted. Everybody was, because everybody in that generation was copying Jordan and mimicking Jordan in hopes to go to the NBA and then Kobe ended up doing that and then becoming the next Jordan basically yeah yeah you yep you're right he was he was the guy who got to live it out mm-hmm. and ironically he didn't wear his number <laughs> didn't have to yeah have that's to. the coolest thing about <laughs> about Kobe's retirement is that he has two numbers retired and if you look at the, um, if you look at his resume from like the two different eras when he wore eight, when he wore twenty four, um, they're both just unbelievable. It's like, it's it's like two, two complete careers basically. Mm. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I just always thought Did it would have been know- cooler if Kobe would have worn twenty two, and sort of had that yeah. self awareness of. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not quite 23, but I'm really close. Yeah. Did you guys know, this is a fun fact, I don't know if everyone knows this, but when LeBron went to Miami, the reason he couldn't wear 23 is because the Miami Heat retired the number 23 after Jordan retired because they had that much admiration for Jordan. So they mm-hmm. said, nobody on our team will ever wear 23 out of respect for Jordan. Wow. Hmm. That was uh, Pat Riley, right? Yep. Yeah, that's cool. We should retire 23 and 33 and 91. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Hmm. They should start introducing imaginary numbers. <laughs> Pi. <laughs> All right, Ian. Well, thanks for taking the time out. Um, now, did you have something from Garrett Langy Bartles? I feel like I remember that. I can't place it right now oh, in my yeah. head. Oh, yeah. He had a question from a while ago. Yeah, I'd really Last... just like to shout out Garrett Langy Bartles. Um, we yeah, did not forget see. you. We're very sorry. You can find him on Twitter at Garrett Langy Bartles. Um, do do yeah. you remember what it was, Ian? Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Give me one second. We didn't forget you. We're real sorry, Gare. We, just... <laughs> we did. We did have our father, who's also a Gare, on. A Gary Suarez. Okay, give me a second here. He's going through his Elevate Google Docs, trying to find it. <laughs> That slideshow, that keynote. All right. Um, this is from a while ago, guys. I'm, I'm surprised you weren't on this. It's all right. He deserves a shout out. This is from March. Maybe don't say the date. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that. Uh, this is from March of 2017. <laughs> uh, it says two years, uh, three years ago. Okay, here we go. Uh, Doesn't respond to my last post from 2016. (laughs) (laughs) Really need an answer to this question. Oh, he didn't have a question. He just said, uh, "Thanks for the parenting advice this week." When I was about eight, I used to sneak after dinner uh, PBJs and Power Rangers at my neighbor's. Sorry, Mom. Glad Spalding is getting some love over Gorilla Hoops. That was our episode when we talk about sneaking things past Mom and Dad, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that in this season or so, last season? So, Garrett, this, season. this just shows your talent for sneaking. You snuck this comment by us. And <laughs> we're responding to it very late, but we do appreciate the love and the mail. Again, Garrett Lange Bartles on Twitter. Let's see if you can't sneak another comic past us. Thank you for listening to another episode of Lowering the Rim. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lowering the Rim. And feel free to email us your fan questions. LoweringTheRim at gmail.com We'll see you next time.